0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 11, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at paragraph actually, we are at page 32, paragraph 1. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Janice B., The 12 Traditions. Rachel M. Reading the text is Sally A., Helena R., and Du L. The reference number for Monday, March 10, 2014 is 6024, 6024. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 steps.
1: Hello, this is Janice B. from Vermont. Step one we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to all compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs.
0: Thank you. I will now ask Rachel M. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. This is Rachel M. Recovered, Compulsive, Overeater, and Anorexic. The Twelve Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass.
0: Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. on page 32, paragraph 1, and I will ask Sally A. to begin reading. Good morning, um, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally A. in South Jersey. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. And so they are about to give us an example. Let's go back for a moment and take a look at this. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. For myself, when I look back at my childhood and my eating disorder started, my first memory was eight years old. Uh, being uh, That day there was a fire in our home. My sister Peggy was five years old and had died in that fire that gutted out our house. And because there was no home, we were farmed out to different relatives, and that's where my eating career, from my own memory, began. And as I was placed in front of a TV with a bunch of candy and popcorn and um, soda, um, I had my first food thought, wow, this feels good. Here I am, 53 years old, and I remember it like it happened yesterday. And when I read this, uh, this sentence, no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. I remember how much joy there was in the whole binging process, my eating buddies, my sisters, and all the laughter that went with, with our eating disorder, with all of us, uh, the crazy things we did, uh, the antics that we did to, um, to have our binges. It was just pure fun and joy, Little did I know that I was putting my hand into a trap, that I was weaving a web in my mind that was going to ensure that I was going to be, for many years to come, a compulsive overeater. And as it continues, but the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. I wonder if there ever was time for me to stop. You know, I often wonder was this genetic Was this environment it doesn't really matter what matters is that i know that i was out of control at a very young age the word control is being used over and over in these pages from five times on the first page of more about alcoholism two more times on the next page and we're going to see it again in the next paragraph that Again, that they, they, as a definitive method of seeing that we have a food allergy, they use this word control, out of control, no control, whatever. Um, we have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. The only time I have ever been able to stop for a long period of time has been the length of time. The lengthiest time was 40 days when I would simply fast. And that's why today I have a body badly burned as as we see on page 133. But here they're going to give us an example of a man who decides that he's going to put down his alcoholism in this next paragraph once and for all and that um and how that turns out for him um he's going to try a little control and uh for for many of us that's not even an option that you know we can try to have that control but we don't have that um ability to to stop and we can stop you know for a few days even possibly um and in my case there was a time when I could stop for 40 days but that is not something I could ever do today there's no way I could do um, a fast for 40 days today, or, or would I, nor would I want to. But um, I guess I've said enough. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Who would like to comment on what was read? Good
3: morning, this is Lois. Hi, good morning, Lois. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Uh, this is Lois M. And um, I, I, something just occurred to me that in 1986, I was... Um, with two of my women friends for a while and we decided, they decided that let's try to give up sugar, okay, for one month. And I said, oh sure, that would be easy knowing nothing of course because I had never done that before. But what happened was, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) I was able to do that and and I remember at the end of that time, I remember being aware, which I wasn't really always aware of how my body felt. Um, I remember being aware that I had an overall sense of calmness and well-being. And I remember, you know, really being amazed that I, I could recognize that, but a sense of wellness, overwhel- overwhelming, well-being and calmness, and and I, I registered that somewhere. But then after the thirty days, you know, things were going very well in my life, and so I just kept going along the merry way, and and I never gave it another thought again, you know, you know, so that um, and here it is. 25, 30, 30 years later, and uh, here I am. But, of course, now, you know, I have now, I've been recovered for about three years now. So, uh, but I just looked back at that, and it was remarkable. So I, 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 that was a warning sign for me. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Lois. Who
0: else would like to comment on what was read?
4: This is Janice.
0: Hi, good morning, Janice.
4: Well, good morning to you, Melanie. Thank you. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, you know, just uh, going down memory lane, when I was 8 years old, I knew, I mean, I didn't know then, like what I know now, but I can honestly see that, um, yeah, I had the allergy. You know, I had the allergy then because I used to play picnic with my brother and uh, that that's not too normal, you know, picnic with peanut butter and crackers when other people were playing outside. But, you know, I also had the obsession, just came to me, because every Friday I would think in school of going over to my nana's house because she was making a certain food. So that obs- that was in my mind at eight years old. And I would take the train to go, to go. Now, over to her home. So you see, the obsession was there for me. So it doesn't matter when it comes or whenever. But, of course, I didn't know that then. I, I, I just knew that it was there, you know. Um, and, yeah, I did stop for a period of time when I was young, young, um, thinking, um, oh, yeah, I had that strong, strong desire to be thin for a boyfriend or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I knew I was heavy. I knew I was heavy. But, you know, time... When you're young, time was like, oh yeah, I have plenty of time. I can always go back and lose some weight. Didn't think anything of it, but there was there was a you know um, signs of compulsive overeating long before I made that decision. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Do I do?
5: Good morning. Uh, This is to Recover Compulsive Overeater. I like this thing where it says, the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there's yet yet time. And um, that speaks volumes because as long as I think that the food and the drinks are working for me, uh, I'm not going to have the desire to stop. (laughs) And I know for my drinking career, my eating career, um, it was working. It was working. I was getting the buzz. I was getting the sensation. Uh, I didn't have uh, the consequences of my disease because, as we know, this is a progressive disease. It gets uh, worse over time. And, um, you know, and at first, you know, I was a high-functioning compulsive overeater. I could eat everything I want. I didn't gain the weight. I didn't um, have the consequences. Um, I did have some consequences. However, you know, I ignored them. (laughs) I ignored them because it was still working for me. I I felt good about myself. I felt like I can accomplish. I can still, uh, you know, exercise my willpower. I would, you know, I would go through all these uh, hoops in in length um, to continue on on those uh, periods of, you know, of not wanting to stop. I did not want to stop. The only time that I feel like I need to stop is, you know, if I have an important decision to make for a religious uh, reason. You know, I remember staying abstinent for a, for a while because of religious reasons, you know, And but over time I picked up again. I picked up again because I have a allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And it's not, you know, the question is, will time do it for us? Will time do it for us? You know, am I going to have the time to be able to um, stay away from this and not come back to it. And 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 the bottom line is, is like if I don't have the desire, if I don't have the desire to stop, I'm not going to stop. You know, I'm not even going to have the inkling to even start on this program or recovery. You know, so I have to have the desire to stop. Uh, that's why you know, <laughs> you know, part of the the um, the, the steps is that that we come in, you know, Tradition 5, if you honestly have desire to stop, you know, compulsively overeating, then you are a member of OA, you know, because you have that desire. But at the time, I didn't have the desire. And, and you know, thank God that the the, the disease is progressive and it brought me into a state of reasonableness where I was able to stop, you know, because I had, had enough reasons at that point in time. And with that, I passed.
0: Thank you, Du. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Kim? Hi, Kim. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I just want to zone in on two words. Are drinking careers? Careers. So I looked up on,
5: in my uh, little dictionary here, what is a career? It says an occupation or profession especially one requiring special
0: training followed by one's life work. I mean doesn't that describe my this it describes my relationship with food. You know, this was not a part time activity. You know, I have other things I like to do. I love to dance. I've always loved to dance since I was a little kid. And when I danced I would be absolutely joyful. But it, it was just something I did on the side. When it came to my food, that was a full Time Endeavor. You know, when I look back at my life, you know, when I look back at Halloween, I don't remember what the kids dressed up as for their costumes, but I remember which people on my block handed out the full-size candy bars. You know, when I look back at high school and going to movies, I don't really remember the movies as much as which movie theaters had the best snack foods and which ones had the best little dark corners so that I could binge properly in it. You know, in my 20s, I went to more weddings than I could ever tell you about. I can barely tell you who was in the wedding party, but I can sure tell you about the buffet, especially when they had these, like, chocolate fountains where you could put whatever you wanted to under this flowing thing of chocolate. That's what excited me. That was my focus. It reminds me of the doctor's opinion where it says, to them, their alcoholic life seems the only new, only normal one. They cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. That's because my career, my focus, my main thing in life was to get the food. And then when I started to have consequences of that, my main focus was how do I avoid the food? So whether I was abstinent, Or whether I was in the food, my focus was on the food. That reminds me of my career. You know, when I I have a full-time endeavor, I have to make sure that I am focused enough so I can make a living.
5: I went back and got my master's so I could have a better job, you know, better, you know, professional career. That reminds me of when I went into bulimia.
0: I had to do a lot more research. Being that human calculator, of how many calories I would binge on and how many minutes that would take on an elliptical machine was this very complicated endeavor. Complicated endeavor. What is my relationship now with food? My relationship now with food is it's nutritious. Yes, I prepare my food, but I also make sure I have enough shampoo in the house and I have enough toothpaste in the house because I know these things are necessary for me taking care of myself, but there's no emotional involvement in it. That's the way my food is. But as a compulsive overeater, my eating career, I I don't even understand when people talk about certain things because all my focus was on the food. The food, the food, the food. So I just think it's so interesting how they talk about our drinking careers. Think about how much food has dominated our life. I'm going to read the definition again. An occupation or profession, especially one requiring food, Special training, line required special training, followed by one's life work. And with that I pass. Thank you, Ken. Who else would like to comment on what was read before we move on? Hi, this is Jenica. I would like to comment. Okay, Jenica, thank you. Um Hi, I'm Jenica. I'm a compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. And um, I am struck by the idea of um, at a time at one time we could have we could have stopped um but i am also i can just feel how true it is that why would we at that at that time i mean you know at that time um it was it's fun. <laughs> And it is working for us, and I know that for myself, um, you know, my compulsive food behaviors were were working for me. In that, and that, then I would, if anybody has suggested stopping, I would have said I don't have any problem. Um, so that's really. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get on and say that, and um, thanks so much, everyone, for being on this meeting. That's all. Thank you. I will now ask Helena R. to read the next paragraph. Good morning. This is Helena, recovered in New Jersey. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of free drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatever he made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came his carpet slip Out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital. Meantime, then gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. Uh, The book here is giving us an example of an exceptional man. Um, Yes, many of us have been able to stop for a considerable period of time. Uh, Some of us may have been able to stop our binge foods, our compulsive overeating for more than a year without spiritual help. Um, Myself, I had advanced to the place when I was really serious about it that I couldn't even stop for a day. I would uh, wake up on a Monday morning ready to start my diet and sometimes by 10 o'clock in the morning I was already eating compulsively. Um, I started dieting at age 13 and perhaps at that point with the proper information and good guidelines I could have stopped uh, eating compulsively. Uh, permanently and could have uh, learned how to eat normally, but by the time I realized that I had no control whatever, um, I was far gone. This gentleman had a lot of information about himself, and he had a lot of awareness. He saw that he could get nowhere if he drank at all, and so he made up his mind to stop However, he did not make up his mind to stop forever. He made up his mind to stop until it was a convenient time. Um, In my case, of course, it would have been to stop until I was at my goal weight. Um, It says here, and I've underlined it, he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. He may have been more exceptional than most of us in that he stayed sober, For 30 years, and he still, however, had the same belief that I have, in which it says practically all of us have that after we have abstained, after we have gotten to our goal weight, we can drink, we can eat compulsively, we can eat as other people, and it will not be compulsive. Um, And I'm just going to pass now because this is a very long paragraph. Thank you, Helena. Who would like to comment on what was read?
6: Lauren from Pittsburgh.
0: I hear uh, Lauren and then I hear Larry.
6: Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Lauren from Pittsburgh, a recovered compulsive overeater. This story presents to me, um, recovered today, that though I've been abstinent for Uh, relative a long period of time for me um, in my life do I still have reservations and do I think that you know even though today I'm recovered and and abstinent does that make it that doesn't make a difference do I still have reservations and you know when I'm twenty five years from now, in my forties, do I still think it's okay for me to pick up? You know, when I'm, God willing, getting married, do I still think it's okay for me to take out my carpet slippers and pick up? Um, other reservations that I could have deep ingrained in me still is let's say the world is gonna end tomorrow. <laughs> do I have a re- do I think that I can binge today and it'll be okay? Or let's say my father, who I i don't know if there's another person I love more in this world were to pass away, would that be a reservation for me to pick up, you know? Um, so I, I i can't have any reservation. I have to have step one fully conceded in my heart, and I'm reading step one in the book, and this, this example... They're just trying to show me, Lauren, we experience people like this where they have reservations ingrained in them. This man's reservation was until he retired, he could touch another drop. Do I have that reservation? You know, when I'm retired and God willing and gardening and traveling the world when I'm older, is that a reservation for me to just pick up and try to eat tacos like a normal person? Um, this is a powerful lesson that I need to hear. So thank you. I will pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren. Larry?
7: Good morning, Melanie. Thanks for your service. This is uh, Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Yeah, this, uh, boy, there's a lot here. Um, I guess I'm just going to focus on the part where it says um, about midway down, then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has. That his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. You know, if, you, if you've been around this program for a little while, you're going to know people, um, as I have, that, that have come into program and they get abstinent. You know, they find their sobriety. And I've I've known people for years, years they were abstinent. You know, and they lose a lot of weight, looking good, feeling good you know, and they're talking the talk, and they may even be walking the walk, you know, and then the day comes, I can think of one guy right now, lost uh, a couple hundred pounds, he was, um, you know, an individual that uh, that really, uh, he was a very bright individual, and I really, his message really resonated with me, I heard him on a, me at a meeting and his message really resonated with me. He talked uh, about the big book and the big, you know, and and working the steps and so forth. And, you know, I guess what I'll just say is, is he's, he's no longer in the program, you know, and from time to time I reach out to him, you know, I'll call or send an email or something. And every so often he responded one, I mean, very infrequently. I, I don't, I don't chase after you know, him or anybody, but you know, I just want to know that I care, you know. Um, And uh, and one time he got back to me and he said, um, he said, you know, Larry, I, you know, I'm just, I I feel such shame. I put all the weight back on and more and I just don't have, you know, the courage to come back right now and maybe I will someday. You know, um, is he like this, you know, this guy? I know so many. And that story, I know many stories. Some of you probably do as well. People that go out. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, the thing about it is, is with this is, you know, despite, you know, all of our efforts, we're puzzled, we're humiliated, we're ashamed. This disease can rob us of our dignity, you know, and, and, gathering all our forces, we try to stop, but we know deep down it's impossible to stop of our own accord, you know, and that's why we spend time in this chapter is, is is identification with with step one, you know, that we are indeed true compulsive readers. I don't need any more evidence. But I'll tell you this, that's why I come back to this meeting every day. I got better things to do. I'm sure you do too, you know, uh and I say that tongue in cheek, right? But I, I have better things to do. I, I uh you know, I have a life to, to live, but I need this message every day for the rest of my life. I need this message because I am a true compulsive overreader. And the moment that I get it in my mind that I can do this, that I can control this, that I have the power because that's the way I used to believe until this problem was removed as the result of working these steps. I had a vital spiritual experience. That doesn't mean that I'm done. Because if I'm done, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And I may be like this guy, dead within a very short period of time. Very short period of time. I don't want to be that person. And I don't have to be anymore. I don't have to be. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. That will pass.
0: Thank you, Larry. Who else would like to comment on what was read?
7: This is
8: Paula. May I comment? This is Um,
0: Hi. I hear Paula. And I hear do. Anyone else?
8: Alice.
0: Oh, hi, Alice. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think I heard you first. Let's go in this order because um, I thought that I heard someone. Alice, pause, uh, and then do. Thank you.
9: This is Alice, a, a compulsive overeater in bulimic in Florida. And um happy to say I'm 11 months abstinent and, and in my ninth step, finally. Um, <clears throat> there are some passages in this book that I really identify with and this is one of them. Um, I just like to blend these two paragraphs together. Uh, you know, early in my drinking career, early in my, um, binging and puking career, I, um, I could have stopped, but why would I? Because it was working magnificently. I was, um, enjoying binging and puking and it was actually sort of like a sport. There were a lot of us involved in it and doing it. And, um, and why would i stop um and it took a few years then when i needed to stop and i couldn't and that's it that's for me you know the point where when i need to stop then i can't on my own and i began my series of inpatient treatments for the next you know 10 15 years um and um uh, in the uh in the next paragraph you know i too had that experience where Um, I went for a long period of time. I went for 12 years, um, without binging and vomiting and practicing my anorexia. And I was not, let me get it clear here and honest. I was not in recovery. I was not following a food plan. I was not in OA. I was not doing anything. I had turned my back on the program and I was just going to do it on my own. And, um, and I got pregnant and I got married and, and that was my cure. You know, it was just, I, um, I felt like I was a different person. my cellular makeup had changed, and somehow I was able to stop I was able to stop. I had this baby and um and my life was different and um after having gone in inpatient treatment four times and uh, numerous outpatients and just my whole you know fifteen years before that it was just it was just it was just trying to get myself to stop bining and puking and um and I went for a twelve year period and it was amazing. And I have to say that I did not have the obsession to, to starve myself or to binge on huge amounts of food and throw up during that period of time. I ate whatever I wanted to eat. There was some freedom, some strange freedom I got during that period. And then, day, whatever it was, you know, 12 years, two days, um, I made the the... Um, the Incredibly bright decision that I could um, binge impute once. And that was the start of a downward spiral for about 14 months that took me pretty much almost to my death and my family also. I had a plan. Um, I had no idea that my disease could progress any farther than it did. I thought it had reached its peak and I found out otherwise. And It was, I am still, this happened three and a half years ago. I am still in shock and disbelief that I picked up again. I cannot believe it happened. I still cannot believe it. I'm almost in denial still. And these past three years have been, again, a struggle to get myself back with the living. You know, back, I can't even say back on track because I was never in recovery. I never did what was, I never had a program um, I just white knuckled it. So, you know, I'm here to attest. You know, here I am fifty one years old. Um and, you know, when I was twenty three I went to treatment the first time and just you know, it was just a little uncomfortable in my life and making things a little inconvenient. Eventually it made my life freaking unmanageable as hell and people around me. And um and I'm glad I have that experience of having gone that twelve years with thinking that I was cured, that I no longer had the disease. Um you know, my I remember my husband when I told him that I had relapsed. He said, "You know what? I forgot you had a disease," and I had forgotten that too. And um, it took. It, I'm glad I had that experience because now I have 11 months, and some days I feel like, "Ah, this is good. I've got it." And I'm like, "The hell you do! The hell you do!" You know, it's just this daily reprieve. It is. It's not even a reprieve. I don't feel it that way. It's just um, daily work for me. My program my recovery program feels very intense because I need to meet it with that. My disease was very intense, very powerful, very, I just want to use swear words when I talk about it. It was, it was, um, it was hell. And um, so I'm glad that I can say, you know what? I experienced this. I went a 12 year period. And then I went back to the anorexia and bulimia and it was hell. And um, I'm glad to be, glad to be back with a living now. And I do not take my recovery for granted Um, at all and I pass with that
0: thank you Alice Paula you're next
8: this is Paula Recovered compulsive Reader first may I start with thank you Melanie for doing this service you know I'm going to stick with just what this man said because I can run parallel here he was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor isn't that the strangest thing? No. Not to an alcoholic, not to a compulsive over But then I will be very honest here again, which is what my promise. To you. I've never had that kind of time frame that he had. I never did. I was on that first, uh, the first two pages there that we read, 31 and 32. I never got beyond that. Certain... Then there came a time, then it was a little bit longer but also quickly followed by a little bit shorter. But let me go here. Let me go with this man said here, because this I can do. He retired, and I also did. Successful and happy career, that it was. Then he fell victim. It's very clear in the words they use, fell. Watch someone that's fallen down. He fell victim to a belief. That was it, the belief which practically, all right, may I raise my hand here, which practically every alcoholic, here again, I was not the exception to the rule, has that his long period of sobriety, I don't know what your period is. For you, a long period might be, I went a week. Oftentimes that it was for me. To me, that was a huge period of time. And self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. You know, I'm going to just jump back just for one moment. Jump forward to 151. Never could we recapture the great moments of the past. There was an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did. Well, God, I'm retired now. And a heartbreaking, oh, sweetheart, be clear, but not only your heart would be broken. This man had others in his life. Obsession—that some no miracle. There you go, of control will enable us to do it. I, do it. There was always now here he did after all those years. One more attempt. He thought it was going to be different, but you see, this disease stays the same. It's right there, honey. Nothing's changed. And then I want to go on to the batter, the bottom. Then gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means, again, as we read in the previous page, every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, not this, honey, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. But we see... Yes, the physical body, that final death, but there are other deaths along the way there relationship spiritual, mental. Why can't I? And you know that land they talk about that land in one fifty one you know where King Alcohol was and resided, it was still there, and he went back and he woke up to what the hideous four husband terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. I'd like to end with that line, what this man has said. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. Stu, you're next.
5: Good morning. It's Stu Recover Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much. I absolutely love this paragraph because it shows me over and over that time will not do it for us, <laughs> you know. And and the thing that really stands out for me is that we have a twofold disease, and we don't graduate from this disease because we're not cured from this disease. You know, we can arrest the disease, however, um, we're not cured from it. And so, but the way I work out my spiritual solution, it has to be a spiritual solution. It has to be on an altruistic plane. You know, it says. He remained bone dry for 25 years. He arrested his disease. In other words, if I have the allergy of the body and I don't introduce my binge foods, or in in his case, the alcoholic drink, he did not introduce it in any form at all. He can arrest the physical. It's academic. It's academic. You don't introduce it, you don't create the phenomenal craving of wanting more and more of the same until the point that you can't stop. So it says, then he fell victim to the belief. That was nowhere to be found in this belief. Nowhere. <laughs> it, was, it was a belief that, which practically every alcoholic has. What is that belief? That the, the idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. You know, that's it. I, I don't get to rest on my laurels. I don't get to, um, you know, to think that I am cured from this disease. If I leave it untreated, it will come back and it will bite me. And it says here that, you know, um, he, he tried long periods of sobriety with self-discipline that qualify him to, drink, you know, he thought that he could drink as other men, you know, after a long period of sobriety. You know, and it goes to show here that it doesn't. Because once I pick up my 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 binge food, once I pick up my drink, you know, it doesn't matter how long, it could be twenty, thirty years, forty years, a hundred years, and I put it back in, and I introduce it back in, I create the phenomenal craving, I create the phenomenal craving, which means I start again. I can't stop unless unless I'm addressing the greater aspect of my disease, which is the mental obsession, you know, the the lie that keeps me bringing me back to that drink, that keeps me bringing me back to that food. And it says here, um, then gathering all his forces, all his willpower. Again, God's nowhere to be found in this. He's doing it on his own reliance, self-determination, you know, of putting down that drink. And he says he attempted to stop altogether and he found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which did not include God, did not include the 12 steps, did not include on expanding his spiritual experience, which money could buy at his disposal. So he tried everything except where the solution in this book lies, which is, you know, we have to have a connection with God. We have to have a personality change sufficient in, enough to bring about recovery. And he did not do that. Instead, he had the results of the disease, which is we have progressive a progressive disease that brings us back to you know to either a a um, it kills us physically or it destroys us physically, you know. Um, we have the body rot, and in his case, he died. He died within four short years, and and this disease is out to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> it is out to steal our joy, our peace, our serenity. You know, it's out to. Uh, destroy our relationships it's out to destroy our careers it's out to destroy our families and it's out to kill us physically it wants to kill us so don't mistake this for anything else this disease is deadly and we only have one solution and that is God and this big book
9: with that I pass
0: thank you Du who else would like to comment on what was read Yeah? Leah. I hear Yael and then Leah.
10: Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Oh, Can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay, thank you. No, I pressed the button by accident, sorry. Anyway, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the big book right next to me, so I believe it may be from the last paragraph and not this specific paragraph, but I wanted to share was when it said that, you know, while there's still time to... You know, and alcohol can can still, you know, when there's still time to to relieve yourself from a potential uh, compulsivity that uh, they're not mindful at the time to actually do so. And as someone had shared also, you know, it feels good, so why would you leave it? And um, what I wanted to share was that at that time, you know, you have clarity of mind, but. If it's it's working for you, so great. And and what I wanted to share was my um, my at at the time when I was most hopeless um, was when I actually was in my disease, and the disease itself for me um, didn't even want to give me the willingness to get out. I just. Wanted uh, more and more to like, even though my head knew, yeah, this is not healthy, it's not good, I'm not being good to anybody or anything, but but fe- feeling so 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 hopeless of of with with the lack of clarity of mind to even realize that I want to get out of this. Um, so for today, I'm so grateful, and I thank everybody for being on the line.
11: Thank you, Yaël. Yaël, you're next. Thanks so much, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Oh, boy, do I identify with that statement. (laughs) Um, I mean, you guys know uh, my eating career started at a very, very young age. So, um, you know, I had tried numerous methods of stopping. And uh, there's a clear (laughs) memory uh, of one of my episodes where, um, you know, I had uh, a period of abstinence, you know, controlling, just focusing on the physical And, um, you know, had gotten down to a goal weight and, uh, you know, was living my life just focused on the physical. Now, you know, I was attending OA meetings. I I guess I should mention that. And even though OA is a 12-step program, I was not utilizing the 12 steps. Um, Anyway, you know, I'm driving home one day. I'm in college, uh, you know, um, and... uh, Drive by one of these convenience stores and thought, you know, people are saying I'm on the lean side. Um, you know, I could probably stop off at this convenience store, you know, and uh, have one of one, you know, of those items that I find in there. Just one, a king size one, but just one nonetheless. Um, you know, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I ate that and uh, looked in the mirror. And I didn't feel like I looked any different, you know. In fact, I did that for a few days and uh, actually didn't feel like I was, uh, you know, making too great an impact on, on anything. And I was having a good time with it. Well, you know, I had obviously triggered the allergy, that phenomenon of craving, and um, it was like taking a match and throwing it in a bucket of gasoline, and off I went. And let me tell you, over the period of the next nine months, I ate myself up 100 pounds. Um, and, (laughs) um, you know, ended up crawling my way um, into a rehab facility because at that point I had no family. I had no deep, meaningful relationships. I almost had no marriage. And I said the most important words, God, help me. Something I had not said ever because I was so focused on the physical. You know, I sat there, and without understanding what I was doing, I gave up. I stopped fighting whatever I had been fighting. It wasn't sophisticated. I just gave up. But the story reminds me that all action is born in thought. I had a belief that because I had a period of food sobriety, you and I call it abstinence, that I was going to be able to handle uh, picking up my substance again. So, uh, you know, of course, I took a bite of my substance, I triggered that allergy. So what is my real problem? My real problem is a form of insanity that told me I could take that first bite after being abstinent for a period of time. You know, the fact that I'm allergic to certain substances is academic. The fact that I had a mind I thought I could handle it again, I forgot to remember, for goodness sakes. Why can't I learn from my consequences? Why don't I learn from my behavior? You know, I continued to repeat this behavior expecting different results. I had been down this road before. (laughs) Hundreds of times been down that road before. But my mind is defective. My mind is flawed. I don't learn from my experience. I don't learn from the consequences of my behavior. I don't respond to humiliation. I don't connect the dots. It took getting beaten up time and time and time again till I came to you, and there were those of you who took me aside and said, there was a decision I was going to have to make, and only I could make that decision. And it was a decision to embark upon this program of recovery, which was going to be a spiritual experience. It was not going to be physical, and it was not going to be about the humans. It was going to be in the fourth dimension. It was going to be beyond materiality. It was going to be in the world of the spirit. It was going to be a relationship with a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And like a dimmer switch turned up slowly over a period of time, God restored my mind. My book teaches me when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically, and that is my story. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah. Thank you. And I, th- my name is Melanie C, and I wanted to share on this as well, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. What the authors are t- uh, telling us here, and what they're doing here, is giving us an example of an alcoholic. This is more about alcoholism, this particular chapter. And they're going to give us a few more on a way in which I can identify in. And they've explained already that this is an exceptional man, which means uh, this is a rare instance. This is uncommon to be able to take all this whatever and say, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. After this particular person has displayed clear cut alcoholic drinking style. He was nervous in the morning after these sprees, and so he had, he had been drinking enough to be jittery already at the age of 30. But this is an exceptional. So this is an opportunity for me to identify in, am I like this person? Where was I at? And when I read this, um, from my particular standpoint, it is all about my thinking in my mind, and I was dead set already at 16 on my way into the delusional thinking. And I didn't even know it. I was set up because I didn't want to give up eating. And I didn't even know why. I didn't know why it gave me such a rush. I didn't know why I rushed to it after school, after day of being in high school and all that kind of stuff that was going on there. I didn't know, but I had a moment where I thought, you know, I better stop this thing while I still have time. And in that next moment, back into the the development, as one other person was sharing, the occupation, the profession of training myself into thinking it's going to be okay and I still have time yet. But this particular situation tells us um, that this man was already, for our example for us to identify in, drinking alcoholically and then stopped, which is an exception for a good period of time so that when he resumed, The alcoholic state was still there, and it progressed even faster. That it, in fact, did not stay dormant, it didn't get small, it didn't atrophy like everything else that I do when I was not pursuing my spiritual aspect of my life. It atrophied. No, this particular piece is different. It got worse, 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 and so that it was so bad by the time he went back, it killed him. Within four years, and I think that's the piece we want to look at as well here. With all the wonderful shares, is that it's one example. The first example. The authors will give us more here, in in an exceptional situation. And you might be like that. Thanks for letting me share. And with that, I pass. It's time to close our meeting. It's at the top of the hour here. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Do, would you please start reading on page 164, A Vision
5: for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, my name is Du, Compulsive Recover Compulsive overreader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got.